Hey guys, today's episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is another in our series talking about the Medal of Honor. I'm grateful for our friends at the Congressional Medal of Honor Society, not only for the incredible work that they do, but for helping us collect stories here at Pick Up the Six, like our interview with Medal of Honor recipient Melvin Morris on episode 27. He was amazing. We have more like that coming up, so stay tuned. Today, we're talking to Laura Jowdy who's an archivist and a historical collection manager for the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. Laura, welcome to Pick Up the Six podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Excited to dig in a little bit today and learn <laughs> some things. It's a history lesson. We're about to have a Always lesson. ready to share. <laughs> I know you are. Simply put, you have a love for history. You were a history major in college. You did some postgraduate work in that area as well. You are a certified archivist. So where does that love for history come from for you? That is a very good question. And I don't know that I could answer it in the context of a podcast because it takes too long. <laughs> um, it's, it's something I've always had since I was little. Um, I feel like the past can inform our present in ways that we sometimes don't even recognize, you know, off the top of our heads. And you start doing research on something, go down the rabbit hole, and sooner or later you fall into something that you just realized you never knew, but it really explains a lot of the now that we're facing. And so that's, I think, what I really like about it, is that little bit of discovery, those nuggets you find. Did you always have a a lean or a passion towards military history because a huge part of obviously what you do now as an archivist for the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. And we're going to talk about that and, and, and just really the deep appreciation for that medal and the, and the rich history behind it here in a moment. But as you're coming up through, through learning about history, studying it, did you have a, a lean in that direction at all? Yes and no. Um, I actually started out more interested in social history, if you will. But then, again, going down the rabbit hole, it kind of one thing leads you to another with history. So it's really easy to go down that rabbit hole. And what and it just eventually you realize that so much is based on military powers and how those influence their culture and how the culture even uses military powers, how they use their military force and how governments rise and fall and how democracy um, came to be and how it spread throughout the world or knocked down, unfortunately, mm -hmm. things happen. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, the military is so integral to everything um, in history in one way or another, Econom economy, um, government, government form, um, social implications. So it's really, the study of military history can be in a way a study of really all of humanity. Mm. So there's always that link in there somewhere. Hard hitting question. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite historical moment in time? Oh my goodness. Whoa. Right. That, that, yeah. No, I don't, I don't even know, know if that I can answer. I don't even know if I can answer that. Um, it depends on whether you're looking at yeah, I've got way too many of them because yeah. <laughs> you're going to do you, it, I'll, you know. I'll, 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 I'll hone you in a little bit. Cause that was, okay. that's a heck do. of a question. They're like, Brian, what are you doing? You can ask somebody their favorite. The development of metal technologies. <laughs> we'll go back that far. <laughs> anyway, please. Do you have, um, a, I hate to use the word favorite conflict that, that, that sounds insensitive, but do, do you have a conflict in the work that you do that you really like to get in and, and study and, and do research on? 
I kind of at the moment, because it changes, of course, mm-hmm. um, as I go through things at the moment, I've been pretty immersed in World War One, which is fascinating for a lot of oh, ways, because yeah. that's when I mean, World War One, of course, led to um, World War Two in a big way. And it, it really was a catalyst that kind of set the stage for the 20th century and a lot of the social or a lot of the governmental um, implications we have right now. So I find it. You know, when you talk about the world, the world stage anyway, yeah. um, I feel like it kind of was something that set off the 20th century, you know, technology, um, forms of government, um, whether countries are friends or not. <laughs> so I, I'm really kind of immersed in that and I'm enjoying it. The war to end all wars. Yes. And now it's kind of forgotten. It's very sad. It's like a footnote in history. And I think it really, like I said, it has a lot of implications for today. Wow. Good answer. We went deep there, go, you know, going, throwing a curveball at you that I had not prepped you on before that. So it's fun to talk through that. You know, we had a great conversation with John Falkenberry of the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. That was episode 15. I was really grateful for his time to, to hear his heart and obviously his service before self. So I want to dig a little deeper with you today. The medal obviously just has such a storied history, right? thousands of recipients who valiantly have been awarded that medal. So why is it so powerful and so interesting from your standpoint as an as an archivist? What do you find so powerful and interesting about specifically the Medal of Honor? I find in so many ways the history of the Medal of Honor is almost a microcosm of the United States history. And I mean that, you know, again, you've got this you've got these guys, some of them came up with very privileged upbringing, some not so much, some were good, you know, educational students and some were not, you know, your traditional book learning. Um, you've got guys who who went on to get graduate degrees. You've got guys who became the everyday working man. We've got farmers, we've got CEOs, we've got, mm-hmm. you know, senators, a president. Uh, so in a way, you're kind of looking at this slice of American life. And these are guys, some of them, were just quiet gentlemen you know they were farmers or what have you and after their service they went home and continued doing that and they didn't ever look for well most of them none of them look for recognition on really a grand scale they aren't looking for it um but these gentlemen just went back to their lives and lived their lives out and but at that moment when they were needed you know they were there they were ready um some of you know training personality Whatever it was, it, it just shows that anybody can be called for that moment when they see something, they can do something and it can change the course of a war. I mean, and something that big is just mind blowing when you think, you know, these are guys, they came from every walk of life and they've all done something so phenomenal. I was so fascinated and really incredibly honored to be able to sit virtually with Melvin Morris and, and hear his story and hear about his upbringing. And, and to your point, you know, this idea of from every walk of life, I mean, poor rural Oklahoma family, but it's those moments in the backwoods of Oklahoma, learning how to hunt rabbits, track animals that served him so well and sent him down the road of becoming a Green Beret uh, right. and ultimately making right. that heroic act to ensure that his fellow soldier's body was not left in that Vietnamese jungle, you know, he, he right. was a, right. And, and a lot of that probably comes from his upbringing and being tough. So you're exactly right. Guys uh, go to the congressional medal of honor society website, uh, C M O H S 
org, and you can read all the tons of stories about uh, the recipients there. So, so let's do that. We'll dig in a little bit more about that as well. How about some, some interesting fun facts about the medal of honor itself? One thing that I thought was very interesting in doing some initial research was there are multiple medals for the different service branches, right? That's designed specific to their branch. So what else is out there about it that, that people might find fun and interesting? Fun and interesting. Well, <laughs> the medal itself started during the Civil War, and they had, if we're going to stick on the design theme, mm-hmm. um, they had one design for the Navy and one for the Army. And through the years, of course, they've changed that design. And one of the reasons they initially changed it was because the Civil War veterans, the Union Civil War veterans, when they finished with the war, they formed their own group called the Grand Army of the Republic. And it was a fraternal group, but it was large and it was nationwide. There were a lot of Civil War veterans, as you can imagine. (laughs) And um, so when they designed the GAR, Grand Army of Republic, designed their own membership medal, it was based on the design of the Medal of Honor. And they were so close that even today, I get contacts from people saying, my grandfather's wearing a Medal of Honor in this picture, but he's not on your list of recipients. <laughs> so, you know, I say, well, send me the picture. And nine times out of, the t- out of 10, the problem is, is that it's really a GAR medal. So this large group of veterans pretty much forced the government to redesign their own medal for other veterans, <laughs> other military members. So that's just kind of a fun little footnote. Um, and, you know, Nowadays, we've only got 67 living recipients. So that's another, um, the numbers are unfortunately declining. And most of the recipients will tell you they hope there's never another recipient. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, because that indicates there's been a war or something that, if you will, has gone very cockeyed, <laughs> very mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a Medal of Honor that has been awarded for a situation where everything went perfectly. It tends to be the ones where just, you know, it's the worst day of your life and you got to do something about it. You know, there's no offense or buts about it. And so it's kind of, in one hand, it's sad we're losing them. But on the other hand, it's kind of nice that, I mean, we're not really in a situation where we have five wars going on at once. And we certainly have troops deployed. But the fact that they're not really in the situ- the horrible situations that we're hearing about in some of these citations is nice. How important is it, do you think, given all the incredible work that you guys do at the Congressional Medal of Honor Society, Right. So the Medal of Honor, you know, is there and exists and is awarded. But there's so much incredible work that goes around preserving the legacy of that and the stories of those who have received it and ensuring that the next generations, even if there are only 67 living. And even if you're right, the ultimate hope is that another one does not have to be awarded. Um, how important is it to maintain the legacy, to, to do the work, to do the research, to ensure that those archives are rich and strong with those stories? Oh, I feel it's imperative. Um, Even if it's, once again, it's a microcosm of, you know, life in America and the military, and it is a small piece. I mean, there's only been 35, a little over 3,500 recipients of the medal. So it's a very small piece of all the people who have lived in America and certainly, you know, the millions who have served in our military services. But it's kind of a representative of, you know, those who have served, because we have officers, we have enlisted, we have, you know, all different races and, you know, ethnicities. And it's just this interesting little footnote of history. And I'll say it's a little footnote, but of course, I think it's not. I think mm-hmm. it's a very big footnote. Um, so it's it's kind of imperative, because in a way, it's recording everybody's service. It, you know, it's there, they do view themselves that as well, because everybody 
who survived because the Medal of Honor recipient did what they did. Um, you know, they went home and they had families. So it's a recording of their legacies as well. Yeah. You know, in addition to the man who actually wears the medal. That's right. I want to talk a little bit about the legacy program, which I know is a really important program for you guys at the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. But before that, can you introduce us to the one and only female recipient of the Medal of Honor? That would be Dr. Mary Walker. Uh, she is she received it for service during the Civil War. And she was controversial, I think, from the moment she was born. Mm. The woman was a renegade. <laughs> um, she was born in the 1840s in Oswego, New York. Um, her parents believed in, you know, equal access to education um, for their children, regardless of their sex. They're, they had six children that survived to adulthood, five of them girls, and all the girls dressed in essentially what were modified um, women's clothes, because at the time, you know, it was corsets, and lots of layers. And so she grew up kind of with this idea that just because she's female, she can do anything a man can do. So which in that time was pretty radical thought. Um, and so she was she taught as a school teacher for a while. And then she went to medical school, which was, you know, a woman in medical school just blows your mind because we're talking, you know, the 1850s here. And so then she got out of medical school and she started a practice with her then husband, um, who she ended up filing for divorce for, which was, you know, first of all, divorce in the 19th century, it was a, a rare thing anyway. And then for a woman to actually seek, it was pretty out there as well. Um, and so she ended up in the Civil War just by more or less pushing her way into the wards. She said, I'm a doctor, I can help and I'm going to do it. <laughs> so she started off on a volunteer basis and then eventually um, became part of the army system as a contract surgeon. Now, she was captured as a POW because she would go across the enemy lines to um, treat Confederates and civilians. In addition to the Union troops, she was out there and she'd be out there in you know, the battlefield, same as all the male doctors. The male doctors either loved her or hated her. They either appreciated her, her help or they were resentful. There was a woman out there doing this job because women shouldn't be doing that job. And I mean, she ended up a POW for a while, a couple months, and then she was exchanged. I believe it was for a full colonel or a lieutenant. So she, of course, bragged about that the rest of her life. You know, I'm just this contract surgeon and here I am being exchanged for an officer. <laughs> um, but she was she was just fascinating. The rest of her life she spent dressing in male's garb at the time. And she would go and give lectures on how corsets were unhealthy and women need to get out of them. Um, she also pushed for the women's right to vote. And she was both loved wow. and hated by other suffragettes. Mm -hmm. um, and she just, she was really quite a renegade and she had ideas at the time that were not mainstream and she was loud about them, which takes a lot of courage in and of itself. So, I mean, she was a no retiring violet, no yeah. quiet. No, sounds like no nonsense. Yeah, no, she was well, no honestly, nonsense. I think the word renegade, I think she would likely appreciate that. She has a she famous would. quote that says, I don't wear men's clothes. I wear my own clothes. Yeah. Um, exactly. Was there a specific moment uh, that her uh, Medal of Honor citation is around? Was there a defining moment that had that awarded for her? Or was it more of a culminating all of the things she had done during that time? 
it was a, a cumulative award. Um, and they did that a lot during the Civil War. They had a couple other awards like that where it was for service, you know, on this battlefield, this battlefield, and this battlefield. Um, so hers is not entirely unusual in that respect, but it was for um, a, a period of time where she was out on the battlefield, um, putting herself in danger and crossing enemy lines. Wow, incredible. Encourage you guys to go uh, look her story up, uh, read a little bit more. Um, we have uh, some videos on her webpage. If you look, cool. go out and search for her name on our website, we've got some videos about her as well. Trailblazer, no doubt. Um, that's for sure. The one and only female recipient of the Medal of Honor is Dr. Mary Edwards Walker. Laura, thank you so much for sharing her story with us a little bit. All right, so tell me about the Legacy Program. Tell our listeners about the Legacy Program that you have there at the Society. Well, the, our legacy program includes the archives and the historical collections we have here. And those, of course, are focused on Medal of Honor So, and the, and the recipients. So we collect anything and everything having to do with Medal of Honor. Um, we also have an outreach program to descendants of recipients. So if anybody listening is <laughs> the descendant of a recipient, mm -hmm. please reach out back to us through our website. You can find all contact information there. We also have a oral history program, which is an interview program we do with recipients. So if you're on our website and you look somebody up and it's somebody who was alive at the time we instituted this program. So we don't have civil war oral histories. <laughs> There's a good chance if you're looking at somebody from Vietnam or possibly World War II mm -hmm. or Korea and certainly the war on terrorism. Uh, we have oral history interviews with them, so you can click on that. Um, we're doing a lot of really fun, interesting stuff, and I hope we can innovate a bit more in the future and bring more things online for people to click on and review themselves. So for anyone that's listening that maybe is a teacher uh, in the education space, right? Um, uh, what kind of, I know there's a lot available for them. Tell them, tell them what's out there. Um, well, we have a character development program, which is a set of free lessons that teachers can access through our website. Um, we do training on how to use that program effectively and how to integrate it into existing curricula you might have or educational requirements you have in your system. So absolutely, our website also includes information on how to get into it. You set up an account, you can save favorite lessons. There are education modules, there's online training for how to use it. I mean, it, that program has just grown by leaps and bounds and it's amazing. Teachers who have used it have said that, you know, it's just they've seen a difference in their students because they use the experiences of the Medal of Honor recipients. Every single lesson is based on Medal of Honor recipients um, experiences. So. It's a, it's a really good program. I would yeah. educate, I would have educators check it out For just sure. to see if you can, you know, incorporate it. It's all available at cmohs.org, Congressional Medal of Honor Society. Honor the sacrifice, inspire the future. As an archivist, you get to see so much of it. You probably even get to put your hands on. Uh, That's some, why I do this pieces, job. Right? I can touch history. I, yeah, I don't want to ask you you know, who's your favorite Medal of Honor recipient, because we don't want to pit anybody against themselves or going to that. But but you do get to touch pieces of history. Yes. So what what have you come across that are the things that you'll, you'll remember forever? <laughs> there, we had a World War II recipient who sent in a huge collection. Um, his name was John Finn. And he's another one of those guys you meet and they're just these amazing people. And he lived to be 100 years old. Um, wow. So I got to know him for a few years. And so when he passed on, his family sent in, you know, collections of just things. And I'm going through his collection and I come across this little envelope. 
I'm like, what is this? What is this? And I flip it over and I read on the right. And it says, you know, shrapnel pulled from my leg in 1947 in a bar. And I'm like, okay, John. Um, <laughs> so sure enough, I open this little envelope and there are these little pieces of metal down on there. And I'm like, you kept this? That's what I'm thinking <laughs> in my head. I'm like, of course you did, John. Of course you did. So make sure you lean in on the last part of that sentence you said not the shrapnel was not in the shape of a bar the shrapnel was removed from his leg while in a bar yes yes (laughs) at least it was labeled because otherwise i I wouldn't know what those little bits of metal were sure no it's good that that story was there uh for you to be able to go in and do that uh that's incredible Uh, we're excited. We're going to have Woody Williams on, uh, in the next few weeks, grab him on probably mid to late July, uh, and really looking forward to leaning in on his story. Woody was heavily involved in the battle of Iwo Jima. My grandfather was, uh, on the USS Terry in the Pacific watching from that destroyer as the battle of Iwo Jima pursued, uh, watching as the Island was taken as the flag went up. Uh, so really excited to lean in and, and hear Woody's story. I, I, from what I've heard and excited to sit down with him, quite a character as you would expect. Absolutely. Yep. You'll love him. He's great. Yeah. He's great. He just, he has this personality that shines through even in a podcast, you will get it. He's great. He's a great guy. We're looking forward to it. So guys stay tuned for that. That's going to be a lot of fun getting to meet, be around these heroes, Laura, for you as a life experience, as a professional experience, What's that like? It's the privilege of my life. It's really wonderful. I've been doing this job now for 15 years and I love it. Um, they're great bosses. <laughs> we like That's to say right. we have right. we have 67 bosses, <laughs> um, but they're just phenomenal people. And to be able to sit down across from them and hear their stories and even just to talk to them on a personal level is mm-hmm. great. So it's, it's really a great privilege and an honor to be in charge of preserving their legacies in the way that I'm able to do. She's Laura Jowdy, an archivist with the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. They were chartered by Congress in 1958 to honor the sacrifice and inspire the future. Their website, cmohs.org. That's the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. Incredibly blessed from where we sit in these podcast studios to partner with an amazing organization like yours to help be part of honoring that sacrifice and inspiring the future. Laura, thank you so much for digging in with us and sharing some of those cool bits of history with our listeners today. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. She's Laura Jowdy. I'm Brian Jodis, and this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.